Slight the foot there. It's Friday, and you know what that means. Welcome to episode 52.5 of the ABZ Football Podcast. I'm Gary Scott, and joined for this one, as always, by Gavin J. Baxter. Gav, how's it going? I'm all right. I don't know if everyone does know exactly what this means. Typically, one of these little mini pods means an incoming manager or a, a beloved <laughs> player being shown the door, but tonight we're just here to have a nice little chat about a very straightforward victory in, in July for Aberdeen. Well, yeah, I mean, as you like now, we'd initially thought this mini pod was going to be looking at possibly the signing of Benfica B striker Luis Lopez or Luis Duck. But despite our information being that I think we were hoping this one would have been announced by Thursday evening when we're recording this, it's not quite happened yet. So all of you keen bees are just going to have to sit tight for that one. Don't worry, we've got somebody lined up to come and talk to us about the duck. It'll happen when it happens we'll get there. So instead, as Gav says, we're going to spend the time just taking a quick look back at Wednesday evening's 2-0 win over Dumbarton in Group A of the Premier Sports Cup. So let's just get down to business, shall we, Gav? Let's do it. So, Aberdeen 2, Dumbarton 0, Petodre Stadium, the 14th of July 2022 in Group A of the Premier Sports Cup. And one change to Jim Goodwin's Don side following the 2-0 win at Peterhead on Sunday with new arrival Ilber Ramadani coming straight into the starting 11 for his Aberdeen debut with Dante Polvara starting on the bench. Dumbarton with, that's right, former Aberdeen players Calvin Orsi and Greg Wilde in their starting lineup. Fair to say, though, the Dons really just kind of were in control of this game from the off. Ramadani with almost an immediate impact darting into a through ball from Vicente Bajouin after just five minutes. And if he was maybe just got there a little bit quicker to the ball, showed a little bit more composure, he could have probably lofted that one over goalkeeper long. But as it was, the goalkeeper made a pretty decent stop. Jaden Richardson next to threaten a few minutes later. Good bit of play between Mason Hancock and Johnny Hayes down the left. The ball came into the edge of the box via Ramirez and Ramadani involved again before Richardson's drive, which looked goal-bound, was deflected behind for a goal kick. On nine minutes, a fine, fine finish from Christian Ramirez on the turn from 12 yards out after some good work by Johnny Hayes down the left-hand side. Only for the linesman's flag to be raised as the ball smashed in over the head of Matty Kennedy, who was on the goal line. Now, at the time, I think I thought this seemed a bit of a soft offside moment. I've seen it again back. It, I probably feel it's probably right, to be fair. Gav, your thoughts? I think so. I mean, like at the time, you're thinking it's not really, he's not really active because the keeper doesn't dive, but the keeper does dive, yeah. clattering into Matty Kennedy. So, yeah, I think it's uh, certainly not the worst call I've seen at Pataudry in the last year or so. No, absolutely not. But I, th- I thought it was harsh at the time. Again, looking back on it, it probably was the right call, and that's about as much as the referee got right all evening, I think it's fair to say. Matty Kennedy almost um, making up for the fact he was offside a couple of minutes later when he combined with Jaden Richardson getting the ball back arrowing a low shot across the face of goal, which was just a couple of inches wide, and Aberdeen continued this whirlwind start to the game Kennedy back in again on 16 minutes a really good deep cross from Johnny Hayes picking out Matty Kennedy on the run good header 
ball clipped the top of the bar with the goalkeeper beating all ends up. Johnny Hayes trying his luck in the 19th minute with a 25-yard effort that skipped up in front of the goalkeeper. Hayes then turning creator six minutes later, galloping onto a really, really good forward ball from Liam Scales. His cross, his cross finding Ramirez six yards out, but he got his angles all, all, all wrong and turned his effort wide where it looked much, much easier to score. Just after the half hour mark, Anthony Stewart probably should have also got his first goal for the club, finding some space in the box, rising above the nearest defender from a corner kick, but heading the ball down into the ground, up and over the bar. Four minutes later, Vicente Bajauen pouncing on a loose ball from a corner kick. His low drive was deflected just wide from... Sorry, his low drive was deflected just wide of the post. And finally, from the resulting corners, the Dons were finally and deservedly in front. Johnny Hayes' corner kick coming in at the near post. Ross McCrory finding a perfectly placed glancing header at the corner of the six-yard box that went in beyond long to make it 1-0 for Aberdeen. For some bizarre reason, the BBC deciding to award that as an own goal. No question about that. That was Ross McCrory's goal all day long. And then just a minute later, another controversial moment where Bajauen was booked by the referee for simulation as he rounded the goalkeeper. And I think Vicente was, let's just try to say, maybe thinking about buying a penalty kick, maybe realised better of it, picked himself back up, didn't claim for a penalty kick, but the referee by this point had already made the decision. He was blowing, blowing up. That would have been nice, potentially. And booking the Dutchman. Gav, what were your, what were your thoughts on that one? See, I felt as though it wasn't a penalty, certainly. But I do think there was enough in the way to um, to knock him off balance. And I felt like, yeah, he went over, but then, you know, he was immediately straight up and trying to play. I did not think it was Vicente trying to win a penalty with his continental qualities. <laughs> um, his card has been marked for sure. Um, this is going to not be the first time this happens this season or in the time that Vicente is here um, at Aberdeen. And I just hope that, you know, he doesn't, he's not afraid of that. And also that his teammates will stick up for him in the way that Johnny Hayes was um, in the immediate aftermath of that decision. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I do think he maybe thought about um, going down quite easily, but then kind of thought better of it. And that's what ended up happening there. Um, I can kind of see why it happened the way the referee did it. But I think the fact he stood straight back up, didn't claim for it, we should at least have, I think the referee acted very quickly. I think that's the problem. He didn't really wait to see what developed and how it came. And I think this might be an example of perhaps Bajaran's reputation preceding him. But halftime, Aberdeen won the Barton Hill. And at halftime, let's be honest, it could have been it could have been five or six at that point. I mean, yeah, certainly. I mean, what the goals, the ruled out goal, um, dubious um hitting the bar, Ramirez, a sitter. Yeah. Currently um I felt for the entire game really this will carry on that we were playing in second gear and creating chances at will. Yeah. And, you know, if we wanted to, we could have really stepped up, but um, things were comfortable. Yeah, absolutely. Into the second half, again, Aberdeen almost getting a second goal in the opening minute. A really, really good first-time pass around the corner from Christian Ramirez, putting Jaden Richardson in on goal, but the goalkeeper, again, did pretty well to block his effort. Kennedy next with an effort on 49 minutes, his 18-yard effort. Clutch well by the goalkeeper. Ramirez, again, this was a bit of a howler, this one, I thought. Um, Mason, there was a really, really good move up the left-hand side. Mason Hancock and Johnny Hayes, I think it was, linking well. Bajowin was involved as well in the move. A really, really good ball flung into the box by Mason Hancock. Ramirez can't have been much more than, I don't know, seven or eight yards out, potentially. It's hard to see for us in the red shed. We're at the opposite end of the stadium at this point. But 
he got his angles all wrong again. The ball flew past the post. Ramirez again close on 55 minutes. Uh, header back across goal from a Johnny Hayes cross that was kind of booted away by a defender. I don't know whether it was actually potentially going in or not. Again, hard to tell from our angle in the red shed. Kennedy threw finally on 57 minutes to make it 2-0. A really, really nice little through ball from Elber Ramadani. Skipped around the goalkeeper, popped the ball into the empty net. 2-0 Aberdeen. Matt Kennedy's impressive start to the season continues. I mean, I just want to say that he picks the ball up in the uh, left side area of the Dumbarton defence and uh, the number three for Dumbarton is putting in the kind of shift that I <laughs> remember all too uh, all too well from his time at, at Aberdeen. That's all I'm going to say about that one. Good finish uh, though. Composed. Definitely. And a nice little through ball from Ramadani as well. We'll talk a bit more about Ilba Ramadani uh, in a couple of minutes. At this point, Aberdeen well on top. First substitutions of the evening made just after our mark. Marley Watkins and Ryan Duncan brought on for Matty Kennedy and Mason Hancock. Watkins probably should have scored as well. Um, just a few minutes after coming on, a really nice little ball through from Bajau and setting him through on goal. But this time the goalkeeper stood up well, managed to make the save. Kel Roos was kind of called into action briefly. Um, shortly after this, he had to make his first save down low to his near post. Nearly 3-0 for Abdino, 73 minutes. Bajau and setting Hayes away down the left. His low cross was bound for Ramirez until our man, Greg Wilde, stretched to intercept it and unfortunately... His effort smashed off against his own post. We were so close, Gav. We were so, so close. So close. Could taste it. I mean, I think we'd have had to come home last night to do a mini-pod just to talk about that. <laughs> oh, man. We were really the only people in that ground that were interested in Greg Wells' career, weren't we? Uh, no, I mean, to be fair, the Red Shed really gave Greg Wells some... I mean, yeah, I was, I, was, I, was, I was happy with that. Was for, a minute, I was, for a minute, I thought people had just forgotten all about it and we were just being incredibly petty, but then... We got that moment of redemption. <laughs> redemption Absolutely. for the Aberdeen support. What, what would you call it? I don't know. I'm not sure. I, I don't think it's redemption. It was just it was just funny. It was good. Just I enjoyed it. Funny. Good patter. Um, Ramirez, again, um, should have scored in 82 minutes. What actually looked like a pretty good diving header from a Ryan Duncan cross was well saved by the goalkeeper from Dumbarton. And the Bajam just couldn't quite get on the end of it. Jack Milne came in off the bench for Anthony Stewart for the last 15 minutes or so. Truth be told, the game was pretty comfortable at this point. Again, it finished up 2-0. But this could have been... I said at the time it could have been 6 or 7, but in reality, going back through the chances again now, it could have been 9 or 10, and I don't think Dumbarton could have complained about it. Your thoughts, Gavin, on the overall performance last night? I just thought it was very, very easy. <laughs> Truth be told. Um, and... You look through the chances. I saw the abbreviated highlights on the Aberdeen uh, YouTube today. And then as you've just rattled through them, you start thinking about, you know, Kennedy's header off the bar, Greg Weld hitting the post, his own post, of course. Uh, even at his Stewart's header, I think he could have done better with that one. I think he should have done better with it. Um, Ramirez could easily have had five, four, yeah. five, six, maybe even. I mean, there's two absolute howlers in there for a guy that's, uh, you know, if if Luis Lopez is in fact on his way and we know that Mayofsky's hopefully going to be in the door within the next few days, maybe next week or so the guy that needs to be taking those chances, but yeah, I mean like I said, I think we were very comfortable um, didn't get out of second gear everyone put in I thought a pretty good shift, substitutes included, um, special mention again to Ryan Duncan, he looks like a really really exciting talent. 
Yeah, let's talk about Ryan Duncan and um, Mason Hancock in particular. Jack Mill came on for 15 minutes, so did fine, did nothing wrong. He didn't really have much to do, though. But let's talk about Ryan Duncan and Mason Hancock. I thought it was interesting that Jim Goodwin in the post-match interview kind of talked about the fact that, you know, Hancock himself was maybe disappointed about how his first 20 minutes had gone at Peterhead on Sunday and then obviously was taken off injured. And, you know, Goodwin was saying he took him into his office, had a chat with him on Monday morning, basically said if he was fit, he was going to give him another go to show what he could do. And I think actually, on the whole, I thought it was a, a fairly tidy performance from Mason Hancock. Yeah, there's there's reservations for me about his um, attacking. Um, yeah. In particularly one-on-one situations, he does look a little bit um, out of his comfort zone in those situations. Yeah. But he provided an option, provided an outlet all game. He never stopped running that channel. Um, as we've said, he should have had a, an assist on the board for Ramirez had he not the the sitter in the second half. I believe it was oh, yeah. Hancock yeah, to put yeah, that across. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's not quite J. Emmanuel Thomas, but it's still a pretty bad miss. It's not far off it. Um, it's good to know that we have guys that can recognize that maybe they've not played well, but it doesn't make their heads drop and they're willing to just get next game. I'm going to I'm gonna do better the next game. That's a really good sign from there. We've talked a lot about the, the coaching and the talent and the quality of, in terms of technical ability that are coming through our, our youth setup, but it's showing well. We've got some really good strength in terms of their characters. Um and Ryan Duncan, you know, again, he is, he's got an, a very, a very good knack of making these like sharp, quick movements mm-hmm. and then bursting away at pace. Yeah. And with that, and with that, he can go either way. It's going to make him a handful for better defenders than the Dumbarton players that were up against last night. Um, I'm very excited to see his development over the season. And I hope that. Sterling Albion coming up on Tuesday. We can be comfortable again if he's not starting. That we can get him another thirty minutes, maybe even longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, get him as much experience, as much game time as possible because he is something that I think we're gonna. I think we're really gonna enjoy the season. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I'm pleased he got half an hour last night. I think both you and I were talking at halftime. It was almost like I felt like you could even take him on at halftime potentially, give him a real a real run. I was glad to see he got thirty minutes. Thought he did well again. There's hugely promising signs about Ryan Duncan. We spoke about it at the weekend um, on episode 52, but it was more evident again last night. Just has almost everything you'd want in a player at that kind of end of the pitch. Decent build about him. He's a good height, good pace for being kind of as tall as he is. Good touch, you know, blast past players as though they're not even there. Seems to have an eye for a pass. I think there's a, a really, really good player threatening to break out from from Ryan Duncan. I'll be interested to see how this season develops, whether we choose to keep him within the first team setup or whether we decide to try and loan him out to maybe even a championship or uh, a lower SPFL premiership team or whether we keep him in amongst our squad and he gets those opportunities. But there's definitely a, a real, real player in there. In terms of, um, I guess, the new boys last night, it's the first time that you or I have had a chance to really see any of them in, in the flesh. Yep. Again, we spoke about them again at the weekend, but just a quick recap for you on, on what you thought last night. Uh, let's go through them uh, position by position. Um, Kel Roos in goal. First of all, I want him to know if he's listening that we were all chanting Roos. <laughs> Felt as a bit of a Homer Simpson, uh, sorry, Monty Burns kind of moment of, are they saying boo or, or boo Burns? I was saying Burns. Um What he had to do, he was fine. He had one decent save that you'd expect him to make, but he's a big lad and he got down pretty mm-hmm. sharp. Um, looks fine, comfortable with the ball at his feet. Um, 
looks like he's communicating to his defenders. So, yeah, all good so far. Hard to tell. He had nothing to do, really. Yeah. But um, even then, uh, the concentration levels are still there to make that one save when he needed to make it. So, yeah, all yeah. good there. Um, uh, Liam, oh, oh, just, yeah. just before, before we jump on, just let's go back to Kilroy really quickly because we spoke about this on episode 52 about the fact that we felt that if he was given the nod as number one again on Tuesday night, uh, sorry, on Wednesday night, that that possibly meant he was Jim Goodwin's choice now as certainly starting the season as his number one. Are you now of the belief that that is the situation we're in? I think I'll have to concede that, yes, that is the situation, certainly. Um, he's got a very capable uh, goalkeeper uh, competing with him for that position. So Kelrus is going to have to maintain very high standards if Joe Lewis is here beyond the uh, the transfer window. And hey, despite what Graham might have said, we've maybe got the budget for two good goalkeepers. Maybe. Like you said last night, maybe, you know, maybe Kyle Reese's Derby County experience has meant that five and a quid a week seems much more acceptable and palatable than no quid a week. So <laughs> who knows? There we go. Uh, sorry, back on the new boys, Gav. Yes. So um, Jaden Richardson, right back. I mean, he is lightning fast. I think there was a moment where it's the setup, the play where he's, you know, he passes the ball to Kennedy or maybe it's Bajouin and they play it into Ramirez. And at this moment, he's away. And he's, you know, it's, it's so fast, like a relay runner going around the corner. Um, again, like I think we've talked about, maybe his final end product is going to need some work, certainly. But I mean, from a pure raw physical perspective, he has got everything he needs to be successful in that, in that position. And I think he will grow um, the more he plays at this level for Aberdeen. Um, when we move inside, Stuart looks solid as a rock. Um, a real communicator, a real leader. One tiny concern, like we talked about, is that he's a little bit slow off the mark. And I think teams could possibly try and exploit that over the course of the season. I mean, there was a moment where the Dumbarton number 32, who um, is not exactly the model of male <laughs> physical excellence uh, in terms of uh, his athleticism i mean if like if we're looking at like ronaldo was like peak male athlete this guy was a bit more like Ilian kiriakov circa 99 and there was a moment where he burst away from stuart stuart kind of looked like he was running through quicksand so saying that you know when russell anderson came back he was not the fastest but he had the game intelligence to make that not an issue and stuart's an experienced player we'll see if he's got that in him liam scales on the other hand looks like he's got a really nice burst of pace about him so he's there that could possibly cover up those situations. And perhaps more importantly, Liam Scales looks like he's a really, really good footballer. And yeah, he's he's very, very neat and tidy with the ball. And he's a seemingly a good defender. And he's got a lot of intelligence for someone who's so young and played. You know, I know he's got a good few number of appearances for Shamrock Rovers, but obviously at Celtic, he didn't have so much tight game time. But he's, um, we were all kind of talking when he first signed about the, uh, the issue of him a lone player coming from Celtic and us developing players and like the difference between Ryan Christie and Adam Montgomery, for example, being Christie being someone who could come into Aberdeen and become one of our best players immediately. Whereas Adam Montgomery came in and he was, I mean, Adam Montgomery wouldn't be a first choice player at Aberdeen last no. season or this season. And that's the issue on the Liam scales is much more Ryan Christie in terms of coming in and being already probably one of our better players. I agree on that one. I think it'd be good to see. I think I think that Scales and Stewart seem to dovetail quite well together in terms of what they can offer. And as you touched on earlier on, 
I do have a little concern about Anthony Stewart's um, quickness on the turn. If if teams pop balls over the top of him uh, and, and try to exploit that, that could be an, an area of weakness. But there were enough occasions last night where in the main, the scales came across and kind of dealt with that as well. And possibly you'd have Richardson alongside him on the other side that might help out with that. So that might not be such a big issue. The big thing for me with Liam Scales is not just, I think his reading of the game seems very, very good. Again, it's hard to judge this properly right now, given the standard of opposition. We need to see what happens when we play against the teams we will be playing week in, week out in the Premiership. But he seems like he has got a good understanding of the game, a good reading of the game, doesn't panic with the ball at his feet and can play passes with that left foot. It looks like He looks like a very, very good footballer, which is... I think if we're going to try and play it from the back a little bit, that's really, really important. Some of the passes he played up the inside channel last night were were brilliant, and that gives us a different dynamic to our game from what we've had in a lot of recent seasons where we've been far too predictable going out to the wings as opposed to actually coming through the middle of the park sometimes or up the channels between centre-halves and full-backs. So that is very, very promising from, from my perspective. One thing, we did talk, we spoke about this at halftime last night, Paul Gav. It's all very well as playing Liam Scales and Anthony Stewart in these group games now obviously Liam Scales is not going to be available for the opening league fixture at Parkhead do we think we see David Bates perhaps coming into the starting lineup for the Sterling Alpine game or perhaps the Wraith game or has Jack Milne potentially played his way into being ahead of David Bates in the pecking order and if so what does that say about David Bates's future at Aberdeen I mean it's an interesting one because when Jim Goodwin had his chat with, um, I want to say, Graham Hunter. He talked about David Bateson feeling a level of sympathy from the fact that David had to play left centre back as opposed to his more natural position being right centre half position. Um, Anthony Stewart is clearly captain and presumably one of the first names on the team sheet. Um, Liam Scales is clearly the first choice centre half Um in the left side of position, but yeah, he's not available for Celtic. And that is the, the crux of the issue when it comes to playing, when it comes to loaning a player from Celtic, the worst thing we could possibly do is throw David Bateson cold for that game at Celtic. Um, and if he were to go in, he would be presumably playing left center half. I can't imagine that. And it would be shifted over into that position. It's an interesting one to see. I think we'll get a bit of a telltale sign come come Tuesday against Sterling Albion or against Wraith Rovers in the next game. Um, whoever it is, they need to have some game time under their belts. Um, Jack Milne did not have a huge amount to do. I think Dumbarton were content um, in defeat, even from probably 1-0 down, never mind 2-0 down. But he looks solid. Um, and he did always work very, very well. If that were the case that Jack Milne is ahead in the pecking order of David Bates, then it doesn't spell out anything good for David Bates' long-term Aberdeen career. I do still suspect he has a place, um, a part to play in our squad because of the way Jim Goodwin has spoken about him in the past. And, you know, I think there was a there was a message in that David Bates partnered Andy Constantine for his final game. I think Jim Goodwin will still recognize that he is a player who can offer a lot to Aberdeen. I think there's perhaps an element of he's just, he came in last season so um, lacking in sharpness and match fitness. And I think he probably played every game he possibly could have. So I do wonder if there's an element of just giving David Bates some time to recover his body as much as anything else. Um, Very interesting. Um, I think that, but then again, I thought there'd be rotation 
against Dumbarton and there really wasn't with the exception of getting Ramadani in the team. So maybe, maybe I'm wrong and Jim Goodwin is in fact just going to play what he feels to be his strongest team every week. But yeah, it would be concerning to me if we go into Celtic with a cold defender. Yeah, I mean, Goodwin did say ahead of the Peterhead game he was going to play his strongest 11 in each of these games. He wasn't going to rotate. That's what he wanted to do. So, which is why I think the Kel Roos thing now makes me go, I think he's our number one um, for the time being. We'll wait and see. That's the, that's the new boys with the exception of the debutante last night. Um, Ilba Ramadani came, obviously only joined up with the club with, with his teammates on Monday evening, uh, sorry, Monday during the day, um, had his first training session there. Tuesday training session and straight into starting lineup. Your impressions of the first ever Albanian to take to the field for the Dons and his debut performance? Well, this will come as no shock to anyone, and our ABZ FP Solar System have spoken to agree with me on this one. Um, I thought Yulbra was excellent last night. I mean, hey, yeah, I, I guess it that it was a Dumbarton team that were pretty standoffish. And it's probably not the most physically exerting game Ilva Ramadai has ever played in his life, but he looks, he's got a very good range of passing already. I can tell that he looks like he's absolutely more than willing to put himself in where it hurts. And the most encouraging thing of all, and Jim Goodwin talked about this in his post-match interview, is that he's only been in the door for, as you say, a matter of a matter of days, and he's already demanding standards of his teammates mm-hmm. and offering advice, instructions to those around him and, I mean, I think we could all agree that last season we lacked leadership in a number of occasions and players perhaps needed reminding of what their job was in certain situations. If we have experience, like Ramadanik, he's like 26, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. A very he's, good age and he's been yeah. around um, different countries, different leagues, international experience. If we have people like that guiding our younger players or even just some of our more experienced players through through games, then that's only going to be a good thing. Yeah, like I say, good range of passing. Perhaps should have scored his uh, one-on-one. Yeah, I think he probably should have actually. And he that's, did, that's nitpicking. And he did lash one high and wide over the bar. So perhaps finishing is not going to be a strong point. But uh, Although a high and wide smash from 25 yards, you know, is 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 prime replication of the player who's departed in the centre midfield. So, you know, it's like for like, if nothing else. Well, we'll see how Yulber is at penalties. Absolutely. The other thing is well, character stuff. I mean, you know, he touched on it, I think, in Ilber's own um, post-match interview where he even said that, I think Goodwin had said to him, how about 20 minutes tonight? Ilber said, you go and he's like, I want to play 90 minutes. Because I was kind of surprised he played the full 90. Um, to be fair, I was expecting he might, if he started, he'd maybe get, I don't know, 45 minutes, an hour tops. Um, but interesting as well, something we've been um, told about in the course of the case of the week is the fact that you know, he turned up on Monday, first day really of pre-season training for Ilber Ramadani. Um, okay, he's he's been playing in Nations League football for Albania and he will have been given a programme from the club to follow. But he turned up on day one and was match fit from the moment they looked at him, which is a fantastic um, sign of the professionalism of, of the player himself. Yeah, stark contrast to some that uh, left the club last uh, season, absolutely. Shall, we, yeah. shall we say. Um, you've got to hope as well that that is something that we can have replicated in the other players that are coming in because unfortunately the way things are, our, our season is underway and we need these guys to come in and be ready to uh, contribute to the team straight away. Um, but um, with um, with Yilber, with Liam Scales, Stuart, all those that have come in so far, we look like characters are a big part of our recruitment and we're getting it 
it seems to me like we're getting it right. Yeah, I think that's absolutely fair. And I think that's also a massive plus point compared to last season's summer recruitment as well, which is good. So all in all, I mean, I thought a very impressive debut from Ramadani. Again, you have to put it in context with regards to the opposition, etc. But looked very neat and tidy on the ball. Looked, He was always looking for the ball, always looking for tackles, looking to always move the ball forward as well, which I think is something we've really lacked a little bit in the centre of the park in recent seasons. We've tended to be a little bit too passive with our work in there. So from my perspective, looks looks good, looks decent. Hopefully that just continues and he kicks on from there. I mean, with um, with Yilber, Ross McCrory, Danny Polvara, even Con- Connor Barron's a little street fighter as well. Yeah. I think Jim Goodwin mentioned that when he came in, one of the things he wants from his team is that whenever someone visits Pataudry or or we visit another another um, another team's ground, they're going to know they've been in a game. And with midfielders like that, that's definitely going to be the case. Yeah, absolutely. And I think as well, the McCrory-Ramadani partnership looks like it could dovetail quite well together as well. I think that they look like they complement each other potentially. Huge question marks now about how you fit Connor Barron into this setup. Um, ah, number nine. Especially when you consider we've got Miofsky still to come in. You've got Goodwin still saying he wants two wingers. We've got Luis Lopez coming in. We probably still want an attacking midfielder as well. I mean, they're nice problems to have, actually, suddenly, is that we, we're... You know, even Matt Kennedy has started the season well. That is now a question mark. You've got Bajowin, who I think there's still more to come from Bajowin. You've got Marley Watkins still kicking about. Um, Ryan Duncan's starting to push to 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 have a regular spot, certainly in the first team squad. It's how dare much... you how dare you leave out Connor McLennan from that list? <laughs> yeah, sorry, Connor. Um, it suddenly looks very intriguing. I think at the top end of the park for us in terms of how we're going to set up, who's going to actually end up being the kind of the first picks up here. It's, 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 it's looking exciting and I hate to get too, too ahead of ourselves, but. Well, I mean, God knows after watching a year of us having basically no options whatsoever, it's a nice little, yeah, it's a nice problem to have, but don't worry, Connor Badendor will find his place in the team. No, absolutely. I can't, I can't imagine he wouldn't, but um, yeah, it, it is what it is. Excellent performance last night from Elber Ramadani. As you pointed out, Gav, he he won by a landslide the ABZFP solar system topped on poll last night. Sixty nine percent of the votes cast went to Ilber Ramadani for top don. Liam Scales with twelve percent, Matt Kennedy with fifteen percent, and Ross McCrory with five percent. Gav, do you agree with the public? And you can't trust the public. We know this, <laughs> but do you trust the public with their findings last night on the top don? Front? Oh, I'm taking everything in my being to not quote super hands right now. Um, people do like Coldplay and the Nazis anyway yes yes Ramadani 100%. I got the quote wrong haven't I, I got the quote wrong people uh, people like people Coldplay and voted, voted people voted like Coldplay and voted for the Nazis yeah there we go but yes I 100% agree with the verdict that Ilba Ramadani was last night's top dog absolutely completely agree on that one as well which is great there's only one other thing I think I want to quickly talk about last night Gav um and it's, it's had a bit of traction today online, and I feel it should be addressed. The pricing of the food and everything in the ground last night is nothing short of fucking scandalous. And somebody really needs to have a proper look at this. I know that there was talk about the fact that, oh, you know, there's price concerns and there's, you know, cost pressures on the catering people and all this type of bollocks. Fine, I completely agree that that probably is the case. They will be seeing increases in costs, the same as everybody else's. But £4.10 for a steak pie, £3.50 for a pataudry pie, 
I mean, seriously, guys, that is a load of absolute horseshit. £2.60 for a, a medium Coke. There's no cost pressures on a fucking tub of syrup <laughs> Coke Zero, which gets run with some caffeinated water through it. I mean, I'm sorry, guys. That's that's a joke. And that the worst thing about this is, I mean, you don't expect gourmet food at a football stadium. I'm not trying to pretend that. But for £4.10, for, I'd, I'd be expecting my steak pie to be a lot fucking better than what it was last night. My steak pie was all right. It wasn't £4.10 all right, though. That's what I mean. Like, if you yeah. go to some of the grounds up and down the country, some of the, f- the food on offer is streets ahead of what ours is like and it doesn't cost this much i'm sorry last night that's one thing i know that and we know we know that the guys at the club listen to the podcast um i know that dave cormack has talked in the past about looking to have an american style um atmosphere and all that kind of good stuff and everything goes with it i'm sorry but an american sporting stadium would not be charging the types of pricing for fucking food as there was last night I mean, just imagine in an alternative universe where we're getting offered up pints at the stadium. How much is that going to be? Like, honestly, not not even joking. If if a if a large Coke is three pounds fifty, mm-hmm. how much will they try and charge us for a pint of vitamin T? <laughs> well, I mean, zero pounds and zero pence is too much, but that's a different matter altogether. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, it's hey, it's not just us. You can see the uh, you can see the feeling on Twitter especially, and they we do know the, the club take notice of that stuff and hopefully they can have a, a thorough review of their pricing when it comes to the uh, the scran. That's an offer event. Especially when you see stuff today, like McGinty's group have been like awarded, Cove, they're going to do Cove Rangers as hospitality and their actual kiosk grub. Now, okay, Cove is obviously a much smaller operation and that would probably be beyond something like McGinty's, for example, to be able to do that. But there are bound to be local companies out there who could do a, a better job of this on a more cost-effective basis than what is currently being served up. I'm sorry. Like, I, I just, I can't wrap my head around it. And there was one guy posted a picture last night. Like, a, a burger is five quid. Five fucking pounds. And did you see the picture of it? I have seen a picture of bread and something in bread. I wouldn't feed that to my dog. What do you think, Dylan? Yeah, I'm saying it. that. Yeah, he Dougal would, would, Dougal would eat it. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. my dog yeah. would eat it. But like, honestly, just a joke needs to be looked at. Get on it, guys, before people get even more pissed off with things like that. The other thing from last night, we haven't even mentioned it. How amazing was it when Jaden Richardson nearly got taken out by a baby seagull? Oh, I mean, that was... What was going on there? That was seagull on seagull cannibalism at some point. I don't know what that was going on there, but yeah. Welcome to Scotland, Jaden. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Gav, I think that'll do us for now. That'll wrap things up, eh? Yeah, I think we just uh, wrap up and uh, point out for the avoidance of any doubt. Jim Goodwin, four wins, five defeats, five draws, but most importantly, two wins in the 2022-23 season. And all I can say is that winning games in the Premier Sports Cup group stages are not for everyone. (laughs) Absolutely not. Join us next week for episode... Well, who knows? Maybe join us later on between now and next week because there might have to be another mini-pod to talk about Luis Lopez. Perhaps join us for a mini-pod about the Sterling Albion game next week. If not, join us for episode 53, which will be out next Wednesday, where we will preview the upcoming match with Wraith Rovers at Patodri, where we look to exercise some jet-sized ghosts against a Kirkcaldy outfit in the Premier Sports Cup. We look forward to seeing you then. Stand free.